Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's the 93 WIBC Mashup. The best moments of the day on 93 WIBC. Tony Katz on the 93 WIBC mashup. We bring you the news as it's breaking. $95 billion. This is the United States Senate. Just moments ago. Passing their national security supplemental, no, nothing for the border. It is funding for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. It was a vote 70 to 29. This was a vote that they tried to filibuster. Mike Lee did a four-hour filibuster um, on Saturday. He was continuing to try and filibuster early this morning. $60 billion for Ukraine, 14 for Israel, $9 billion in humanitarian assistance for Gaza, $5 billion for the Indo-Pacific. Anybody who would give $9 billion in humanitarian assistance for Gaza is giving $9 billion to Hamas. You're nuts. Well, we're going to make sure it gets to where it needs to be. Tell me how that worked with weapons for Ukraine that you've got billions you can't account for. Oh, it's only a billion? I'm sorry. It's only a billion. Accountability matters. But this is DOA coming to the House. Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, put this out yesterday. A full and complete statement. Quote, House Republicans were crystal clear from the very beginning of discussions that any so-called national security supplemental legislation must recognize that national security begins at our own border. The House acted 10 months ago to help enact transformative policy change by passing the Secure Our Border Act. And since then, including today, the Senate has failed to meet the moment. This is very true. Schumer refused to take it up. And then we got told, well, here, here's legislation. You have to pass this. Otherwise, you're not serious about the border. None of that was true. It was all political from the beginning. The legislation created a tremendous amount of issues, including a little bit of two-sidedness. Oh, yes, we're going to not allow these people to claim asylum, but the Secretary of Homeland Security, he can grant asylum to whomever he or she chooses. Well, that's weird. That's a weird one-two punch. 5,000 people, you allow 5,000 people to come to the border, make a claim for asylum before you shut it down? What if they don't make a claim? What happens to them? And secondly, why 5,000? Why not 500 or 50 or 5? Or no one. And what are we actually going to do about the labor piece, which is actually needed in the United States? But how do you do that without recognizing the humanitarian piece? Not of people being trafficked across the border, which is pure evil, but for the American citizens here who are suffering because of the lax border policy. So there's a lot to this. A lot. But now the Senate said, okay, no border bill, fine. We'll just give this $95 billion around. And the House is saying, no, 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 no. Quote, the mandate of national security supplemental legislation 
was to secure America's own border before sending additional foreign aid around the world. It is what the American people demand and deserve. Now, writes Speaker of the House Mike Johnson, in the absence of having received any single border policy change from the Senate, the House will have to continue to work its own will on these important matters. America deserves better than the Senate's status quo. We don't care that you sent us this funding. We're not, we're not going to vote on it. We're not going to sign it. We're going to do the border first. Because Americans come first because the border comes first. And on this, I think they're right. You're going to hear screaming and yelling. These people don't care. They're making an argument that is sound. And an argument that should be made. I want support for Israel. I want it. But the border, these things have to be ranked. The border has to get solved or at least started towards a better border situation. That has to come first. And this is what Americans are saying. So listen to their will. Listen to them. Get it done. Hear Tony Katz live. Weekdays 6 to 9 and noon to 3 on 93 WIBC. It's Kendall and Casey on the 93 WIBC mashup. Rob, you have been a Hoosier your entire life. Yes. But did you know that if you relocate, sometimes, depending on which state you choose to move to, you could actually gain a raise because of the lack of income tax. I did know that, and uh, it is fascinating. It, you really see this with professional athletes. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I mean, somebody who makes $23 a year like us, it's not going to be that big of a deal. <laughs> but if, let's say you're a professional athlete, and you sign a $30 million annual contract. Now, pro sports is a little different because you get taxed based on where you play. So when you play a road game, you get taxed there. But you, you've seen this on some of these mega deals where if a guy was playing in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and then ends up in Houston, you're seeing, and, and you'll see this reported now, it could be a three, four, five million dollar annual difference just based on what state they play in. Right. And Jeff Bezos is keen to this, and it's being reported now that he's moving to Florida, has moved to Florida, <laughs> he's bought two properties <laughs> of course on Indian Creek <laughs> Island. And by doing so, he could be saving not just a couple bucks, but $610 million in taxes. And what a hypocrite, because these guys, and you see this all the time, where these guys are these big lefties, and they support these Democrats and these Democrat causes, and then when it comes to their own pocketbook, they take take every and I don't blame them except they're hypocrites. Every person should legally get out of paying whatever taxes you possibly can because the government sucks and it is a giant never-ending <laughs> beast and everybody should should avoid with with legal whatever legal mechanism possible to avoid paying taxes mm-hmm. unless mm-hmm. you're publicly some big espoused lefty who loves government and votes for Joe Biden and and wants all this liberalism you see what these people really are based on how they move and where they operate with their feet saying one thing but doing another so he's also selling some of his Amazon stock and he was in Seattle he's now moving to Florida and by just by moving to Florida 
Florida. Not only is he going to get a raise because of the lack of income tax in Florida, but also the capital gains tax because Washington uh-huh. just introduced a 7% capital gain tax on sales of stocks and bonds. But because he's moving, he won't be paying that. Now, check this out. He's going to be saving so much money just by relocating that it will actually cover the cost of his $500 million super yacht. Uh, boy, good on him. I'm very, very <laughs> happy for this guy. Look, look it, the, you see this stuff all the time with these these uber rich people, which good on Jeff Bezos. By mm-hmm. all accounts, he's earned it all legally and, you know, He's a brilliant guy and and good on him. I am a person that believes that there should be no amount of cap on what you can earn inside the system and the rules in place. But look at the entire tax code. How many years now have we seen Democrats who have at various points had full control of the government and every opportunity to fix the tax code? Talk about how the the rich this and the billionaires that and the blah, blah, blah. You people write the laws. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden talks about this all the time. Remember, he did the thing on the shrinkflation at the Super Bowl and these rich corporations. You write the codes. You have been a senator, a vice president, and a president for 50 years now, and you're still upset about the system that you've created. Right. No, instead, he's turning around and pointing the finger at somebody else. Amazon, by the way, uh, still seeing that its shares are rising Je- year over year over year. Last year, still on the rise. But Jeff Bezos would never do this if he believed the government actually worked. <laughs> Jeff Bezos would never do this if he believed, hey, yeah, you should totally, the rich should pay more and the government should get bigger and the government does a great job. He'd gladly pay the money. He doesn't want to pay the money because he knows what a colossal failure the government is. He knows what a danger the government is. He says the right things for his social circles and to be accepted at parties and and curry favor with the politicians. But look at his actions. His actions tell you exactly what he thinks of the government. So there's more people that are on the move, and these are the Gen Zs. They are now choosing Texas as their home state. Texas had over 76,000 Gen Z's move to the state, beating out California and Florida, uh, placing them in the top tier of places for the younger set to move to. Well, you look at all the things Texas has to offer. And if you're a younger person, they clearly have incredible weather if you Mm -hmm. can avoid the hurricanes. Mm -hmm. Um, So a couple times a year, that's probably not a great thing. They obviously have no state income tax. So if you're an affluent younger person, um, you know, you're rising up like a, you know, a, a an up and coming Gen Zer might be. That's attractive, obviously. Uh, and you know, I don't notice people's appearances, but if you're a young man, uh, I am told places like Dallas and Houston have some very well assembled people to enjoy gazing <laughs> at. I mean, you just you put all of these things together, mm-hmm. and and obviously commerce and industry, and and there's just. It's just a very attractive place to want to live. Well, not only that, but also the median rent price is lower there than in places like California or Washington or Colorado or even Virginia. It's another thing that's enticing people to move there. And isn't that interesting that people are choosing based, I mean, they're choosing by their feet, right? Sure. If I don't want to pay more by living in New York or Chicago, I'm going to move to Texas and pay less. And uh, by the year 2030, if you do the math, Dallas 
will likely be larger than Chicago Metro. You know, I, you have been a person who's moved many times in your life, so mm-hmm. this is not an issue for you. You're fine going wherever and doing whatever. Yeah, I give out advice, by the way. Always pack <laughs> toilet paper and a pair of scissors in a box that you can easily access, by the way. You know, I, I think about, I'm getting to this phase now where I'm becoming the old man who yells at clouds in the room, and you start thinking about your life and different opportunities. And I have long thought one of the great, uh, part of it I find it, compelling and I'm happy that it was this way and then there's another part of me that thought boy I really screwed myself uh, I, you know me I could be sentimental about a bowel movement mm-hmm. so I am very drawn to the past and I'm very drawn to history and I'm very drawn to roots and as part of that I have been incapable of moving Casey I mean mm-hmm. I've lived in a about a three mile square radius literally my since I was two years old I mean I've lived in the same three miles square Do you feel like you're missing out well I I I look back on opportunities that I had when I was younger yeah. and I didn't take them because, hey, I could never leave here because my parents are here. I could never leave here because my grandparents are here. Mm-hmm. I could never leave this in this hellhole I live in now on the west side <laughs> because, oh, I put all this time in over here. And now you have a child. Yeah, I mean, so it's like, it, but I do think about opportunities that, uh, you know, I didn't take because then I thought, man, I wonder what my life would have been like, but then I wouldn't have the life I have now. Mm-hmm. And I really like the life I have now. Yeah. I mean, I hate where I live, but I like the life and the people I'm with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, so I do, I do wonder though, if I hadn't had that, that, I don't know, is it a mortal flaw with that? Was that no, how we would describe I don't think that? So. Because I was, I was just basically incapable of ever leaving. You know, I was trying to make the best of the surroundings that I had, but I was largely, you know, I'm not going to use words like start quoting Springsteen and go, it's a death trap, it's a suicide rap or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, it was like I knew mm-hmm. from a very young age, this is where I will be. I will mm-hmm. be here until I expire and this is my existence and let's make the best of this thing. Yeah. The, but a younger person who doesn't have those things ingrained in, in them, mm-hmm. uh, they have the option to do that. Like yeah. they have the f- ability to flee. And if you're going to flee, why wouldn't you go to someplace like Dallas, Texas, or, you know, Miami, Florida? Where it's warm exactly. and there's no state income taxes. I think the most interesting thing about this is if you think about, and I know that I can give you the pop quiz and you'll get this right, name the top three markets in the country. For radio? For anything, well, really. I mean, New York, Los mm-hmm. Angeles, and then Houston is a lot of times, or Chicago. Or Chicago. Well, yeah, you're right. Is, but, is Houston has Houston overtaken Chicago? No, it has not. Um, Houston's now it's moving up, but it's not number three. And that's the thing. Dallas is probably going to overtake Chicago. But when you think about the top markets, New York, L.A., Chicago, it's been that way for yeah. years. And by 2030, the way our population is migrating across the country, that will most likely change, and it will become New York. L.A., Dallas, and at some point, who knows if New York will remain number one? Well, Miami could overtake it, or Dallas. Look, they're if really, you're talking about the metro, it's it's a it's a wild and wacky time. Mm-hmm. Hey, but until they tell us to get the heck out, we'll be right here, Casey. That's right, because we got nowhere else to go. And we'll see you back here tomorrow. Catch Kendall and Casey live weekdays nine to noon on ninety three WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, 
and everything in between. Tony Katz on the 93 WIBC Mashup. Just do the math. Of course, we have national uh, minimum wages that we need to raise to a living wage. You're talking about $20, $25, fine. But I have got to be focused on what California needs and what the affordability factor is when we calculate this wage. Ms. Lee. That is a push for a $50 an hour minimum wage in California during a California Senate debate. And Katie Porter is there and Adam Schiff is there. Steve Garvey is there as the Republican. Uh, I'm pretty sure that that was uh, Representative Barbara Lee. $50 an hour minimum wage. The problem we have, of course, is a total lack of understanding regarding how the economy works. And this idea comes from, amongst many places, lying to Americans. One of the lies is, my gosh, this economy is strong. Everything's going great. Joe Biden deserves so much credit. Look how good things are. You can take a look at certain numbers and say, okay, that shows something. Hmm, that works. Okay, that's something. Well, we're going to take a look at numbers. Let's take a look at BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics which states that the consumer price index for all consumers increased 0.3%. 0.3%. It was up 0.2 in December. It's up 0.3 today. And over the last 12 months, the all items index increased to 3.1% before seasonal adjustment. I won't even get into where the core is. I'll leave that for Dr. Matt Will. He joins us right now, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Find him on X, Dr. Matt Will, W-I-L-L, Dr. Matt Will, on the Twitter uh, box. Uh, you got in touch with me before I had the chance to get in touch with you, and your only conversation was, I'm not happy. The Dow is right now down 463, and it was in the green in the pre-market before this report came out. The 10-year Treasury went through the roof when this report came out, so you're not alone. So let's start with the basics. Why are you unhappy, Dr. Will? Well, the unhappy is second. The basics are first. The basics are this. The core is 0.4. Again, I multiply by 12. That's 4.8. We haven't had this high of an inflation since mid-2021, and it's a three-month trend. You and I talk about this, you know, well, is it an anomaly? Is it one month up, one month down? We now have a three-month trend all items are up for three months. Core index is up three months. The ISM index, which the Institute for Supply Management, is up dramatically this last month. Um, it doesn't matter where you look. Everything is up. Food is up. Shelter is up. This is not what we were supposed to be promised by the president. Well, let's talk about how did these things go up. We have seen, of course, that there were some ticks down in, toward, in the end of 2023. Then we saw a questionable uh, inflation report that seemed to show inflation at 3.9%. They actually discussed it being revised down, basically 4%, twice what the target rate is from the Fed. 
The Fed had questioned whether or not there were going to be three rate cuts in 2024. And now we have this. So you want to talk about the basics. What were the basics that caused us or caused America to have an increase in inflation? Uh, President Biden. That's the bottom line. President Biden. Jerome Powell has been very politically correct. He's been very gentle in saying, you know, we've increased rates. We're doing our part. Can you people please control your spending? He's been very kind in saying this. And he said, unless you get your spending under control, don't expect rate cuts. He's been very consistent in what he said. And the administration is ignoring him. And you just played a clip before you brought me on that got me even more riled. $50 an hour for the kid who cuts my grass? That translates into 100000 a year. Really? And that's not going to cause inflation. These people, these socialists running the economy, they're the problem, and their solution is more of the problem. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I, I have never had to say this to you, sir, uh, but I will. Just uh, warning you that we uh, do follow FCC regulations here. And we do. Because oh, I think I you're close. Like, I think you're that bothered. Of course the $50 minimum wage is, is a madness conversation. She's trying to make the argument. It could be 25 everywhere else, but 50 is the living wage in California, only proving, in my view, that there's no such thing as a living wage. But you mentioned Biden. Biden is the issue and the reason the inflation is up. We haven't, while there has been, of course, spending packages with the Inflation Reduction Act, infrastructure, things like that, as the Republicans have been in charge because of, yes, a lot of dysfunction, there also has not been a lot of legislation. So are we sure that our our blame Biden mathematics is accurate here? It is, because this was the guy who looked, who oversaw the significant, biggest increase in federal spending in the history of our country, the biggest increase in deficits in the history of our country. And it's more than just his actions on the pocketbook. It's what he's doing uh, from the bully pulpit. This guy had the gall to not do a, a Super Bowl interview. Instead, he did the shrinkflation commercial. This is I, I've been teaching this for years, Tony. The, the socialist playbook is this. Cause inflation and then blame it on business. I've been teaching this for decades. And that's exactly what pr- the president is doing. He is complaining that the businesses are causing inflation through shrinkflation. And he wants you to blame the businesses for something he has created. Here, i got to give you one piece of data. Three years, three years since he took office, 16.7% inflation. The entire Trump administration was 7.6. Three years are more than double the entire previous four years. That's all you have to look at to see what's happening here. So now we need to establish the difference between the overall and the core, because you went right to the core. The core takes out food and energy. Those are considered volatile. Let's go back to basics. Why do they get called volatile? And indeed, does that number comport better? Is that the number we should be looking at? At, at, at The number we should really be looking at, should it be with or without the food and energy numbers? 
Well, you know, I, there's no right answer to that question. What what you did say correctly, though, is that it removes the volatility that swings up and the swings down, which could be to a windstorm, you know, a pipeline breaks in Alaska, so that causes energy to fluctuate. You know, someone invades another country. So a lot of things outside of the president's control. So core inflation is less fluctuating, yet it is back up now to where it was in mid-2021. But that is energy. Food is still up. Food doubled last month. Last month, food doubled. That's a significant item because all of us have to eat, and we all see it. You can't go to a restaurant and look at the bill and and don't notice that inflation has hit the food pocketbook more than anything else. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, D-R-M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L, Dr. Matt Will. On Twitter, I mentioned that once this report came out, the 10-year Treasury jumped big. And, of course, the 10-year Treasury is important to note because that's what they base mortgage rates on. And for a while there, it had been back under 4%. And it was like, okay, this is good. This is a, this is a win. And then, well, right now, it's at 4.28. The jump was massive uh, this morning. Uh, How do these new uh, rates, this new inflation, how do we feel this is going to affect interest rates in short and long term? Up, up. That's the bottom line. I'm not sure how much more detail I can go up because the market thought inflation was under control. Jerome Powell said, hold your horses. We're still spending too much. And magic, three months of trending up. So the market got it wrong, which it often does, and we are still with inflation. Oh, the good, there's good news. It's not as bad as it was a year and a half ago. That's our good news? That's your good news. Well, you are a, you are a ray of sunshine. We see the market immediately lose its, lose its lunch, right? We, we see it say, dear Lord, we do not want any part of this. This this is not the day we were looking for. What's fascinating in these kinds of moments is that tomorrow everything can be fine. What is the reaction we're seeing from the market today? Well, it's interesting the way that you say that. It's a thing called market efficiency, and people could go ahead and Google that. Market efficiency is this concept that the market instantly incorporates all the news it has. And so that's what you saw. The movement, the, the market lost its lunch, as you said, as soon as it got the bad news. Tomorrow, it's already incorporated that bad news. So whatever happens tomorrow could cause it to go up. But that bad news is now in the market. And it's, it's gone. It's done. It's history. Okay. It's a sunk cost, as we say in accounting. I want to make sure I understand what you're saying here. Because it doesn't seem to me to make sense that something like this could come out, that you could have this kind of situation you could have this kind of issue, and then all of a sudden the market says, okay, we've absorbed it in, and we're fine, we're moving on to the next thing. What do you mean you're moving on to the next thing? This has real-world effect on everybody and on everything that we buy. How, how does the market think they could just absorb this in a day and get back to just whistling and walking down the street like there's not a problem in the world? Oh, it's not that the market doesn't believe there's a problem. What the market does is it instantly incorporates this information. You and I will talk about it. We're human beings. We're social animals. So it takes us time to mentally process it. But the market just 
coldly, very frigidly just says, okay, bad news, put it in. That's now in the past. The market never looks to the past. The market's always looking to the future. It got it wrong. The market thought we're going to have rate cuts. Inflation's under control. This morning, they got slapped in the face and said, you're wrong. And so the market now has put that in. Now it's looking, well, let's see what's going to happen tomorrow. That seems odd. That seems odd because we look at this and every day we're dealing with it. There's this great clip of Jillian Michaels from The Biggest Loser talking to Bill Maher on his, uh, he's got a podcast, Club something, Club Random, I think it's called. Uh, and he's like, the economy's fine. Inflation isn't crazy. And she goes, look at the price of eggs. Try and buy a car. And she's losing her mind. She's four letter this and four letter that. And the truth is they're, they're both having a conversation of accuracy. In terms of inflation, as we have seen it in the past, it's not radical. In, in terms of interest rates that we've had historically, we are still relatively low. But in relationship to what we are told by the federal government, specifically by the Biden administration, that somehow it's all fine. And as you noted, it's the problem is shrinkflation because of these quote unquote greedy businesses. People realize that things aren't fine. So when you take a look at these numbers and you take a look at things like uh, consumer confidence, which is a number I take uh, as important. This adds to the realization that consumers are not confident. And if the consumer is not confident, I have to assume the business owner is not confident about ways to move forward or ways to invest in their business and grow their business. But you're correct. But now let me let me give you a contradicting piece of information. The consumer confidence index increased in January. So, yay, it went up. But then we have this bad news and the market reacted positively to that news that when, when it was released back in January, just a couple weeks ago. And today we got bad news and now it reacts negatively. So, yes, what you said is correct. You can have two disparate statements and they can both be correct. See, that's that's what drives people nuts. Like it should have some ongoing uh, effect and, and it doesn't. And part of the thing that, that kind of struck me, you talk about, you know, where where consumer confidence is. We also took a look at the fact that Coca-Cola said uh, they've they've got uh, they did better than than expected. You've got other companies that have come out with with numbers and saying, hey, uh, this has been uh, we're, we're much doing much better than than we thought in terms of how their revenues go. But we have not yet heard whether or not those revenues are because more people are buying their product or because people are paying more for their product. And I would assume that if it's the latter, it would have a continued negative effect on the economy. It did. It did. If you take the 500 S&P 500 and you take the the jumbo seven, the mega cap seven, they made 107% last year. The rest of the market, 493 stocks in aggregate lost 8%. That's a big deal. So it is factually true that these numbers are caused by inflation and that 493 out of 500 companies in the, in the aggregate had a, a negative year last year. That's just a fact. Biden should send a thank you note to those other seven and say, hey, appreciate you making me look good. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Hear Tony Katz live weekdays 6 to 9 and noon to 3 on 93 WIPC.
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel on the 93 WIPC Mashup. Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras in full effect. Fat Tuesday basically is, you know, the last day before Lent, so you can get all your uh, partying and indulging in before the, uh, you know, the 40 days of penance for Catholics that uh, give up certain things for Lent. And I never really got into Fat Tuesday. It's just like another excuse for people to party, like Mardi right. Gras, you know what I mean? Every like, day is Fat Tuesday yeah. here at the Hammer and Nigel right, show. Right, <laughs> But for, um, you know, staunch religious Catholics, you'll see, you know, them walking around with ashes on their forehead, and they give up, you know, alcohol, or they give up sweets, right. they give up steak, they give up, you know, for 40 days, you're supposed to go without something you love. If you and see somebody today, with ash on their head tomorrow, don't tell them they've got a spot on their head. <laughs> yeah. Like, this <laughs> they, is... It happens every year. They know. But so Fat Tuesday is basically like, get it all in tonight, because tomorrow it's a whole different ball game. When you were younger, Nige, in your 20s, single days, did you ever make it down to New Orleans at all? Never. Never. No desire to go really hurt. It's kind of dirty down there and smelly. I'm not. Uh, it is. There's a lot of stench that comes from Mardi Wait, did Gras. You go, did you go? I've been to New Orleans. I haven't been from Mardi Gras. Okay. I went down there um, for something else. But it never really was something I had on my bucket list. Like, when I was in college... All my roommates, they were some hard partying, rowdy dudes. Sure. I was the calm, you know, voice of reason in that house. They would go down there on a whim's notice, we're going to Mardi Gras. And like, it was never really a thing for me. I'd rather go to the beach in Florida where the chicks are hotter in bikinis because the whole thing with Mardi Gras down in New Orleans is booze beads and boobies but the <laughs> boobies aren't necessarily ones yeah. you want to see well. and that's a problem like i would rather go see hot chicks at the beach and hit on them there than yeah. seeing some big tub of lard lifting up her shirt <laughs> for some beads on bourbon street Hence fat tuesday there you go which brings us to great moments in fat history oh come on ladies what? and gentlemen joe biden but look fat look here's the deal <laughs> Can't have Fat Tuesday without look fat. Here's no. the deal. Uh, remember this iconic rant by Tyra Banks on her show? To all of you that have something nasty to say about me or other women that are built like me, I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. <laughs> I don't remember that. Really? No. That was like a big thing with Tyra Banks. Somebody said that she was gaining weight, and she went on this rant she of was, saying... She, I thought she was hot, wasn't she? Well, she was. There was an unflattering photo some paparazzi got of her at the beach where it looked like she had gained a little weight, so she went on her show and said, hey... I mean, she sounded like she's about ready to break down there. She does that. Okay. It was kind of her thing. All right. uh, great moments in fat history during one of the great press conference rants of all time. Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy. Yeah. If your child goes down the street and somebody makes fun of him because he dropped a pass in a pickup game or says he's fat <laughs> or says he's fat <laughs> I'm a man I'm 40 
one of the great rants of all time. And to wrap up this whole great moments and fat history and fat Tuesday thing vibe that we've got going, here with a very special message is AI Donald Trump. In honor of Fat Tuesday, I'd like to give some shout outs to some of the fattest people I know, like Rosie O'Donnell. That fat pig makes me sick. Can you imagine the hell that her toilet seat sees on a daily basis? I hear that are making a sequel to Oppenheimer, but this one will be about Rosie just letting taco farts. I'd also like to wish a happy Fat Tuesday to Chris Christie. He's a two-time failed presidential candidate. But the defending champion of the all-you-can-eat buffet at Golden Corral. <laughs> and lastly, happy Fat Tuesday to those fat bastards at the Hammer and Nigel show in Indianapolis. <laughs> Hammer's ass has gotten so big over the last year, it now requires a tax code. Oh, come on! And how can someone lose that much weight and still be fat? Come on! As for Nigel, look at that double chin. Nigel's second chin is what the new Twister movie should be viewed on. <laughs> Nigel may be fat, but he makes up for it by also being a lazy, red-faced alcoholic. Happy Fat Tuesday, everyone. AI Donald yeah, Trump. bravo! <laughs> with a Fat Tuesday message. Hammer and Nigel are live every weekday afternoon, 3 to 7 on 93 WIBC. Tony Kennett cast on the 93 WIBC mashup. So bills in Iowa, Indiana, and about a dozen other states uh, are currently on the floors uh, with the purpose of cementing the definition of sex and gender as linked to the real grown-up definition of biology. Uh, and by the way, that would be the uh, biological definition that in any species there are males, there are females, there are a microscopic percentages of individuals who may be intersex or hermaphroditic. Uh, and in those cases, 99% of that 0.01% usually displays either male or female tendencies, not both. Uh, there is no normal situation in which an individual neurologically just changes genders. It's not a thing. And so to avoid a lot of confusion and to make situations in which police need to investigate or in which hospitals need the records for perhaps a very serious accident or situation, I mean, all they have is your driver's license, for instance, you need to know whether the individual is male or female. Because if you don't, uh, depending on the amounts of certain things that you give an individual, they could die. The left, of course, is losing their minds. The ACLU in Indiana is flipping out a lot of other agencies as well. Um, also, notably, a lot of Democrat candidates running for state house and state Senate seats, uh, which is definitely your goal in Indiana. Act more crazy and you will ensure the Republicans have a supermajority forever. Here's the fact. Just because you really want something to be true doesn't make it true. If you were really happier with some alternative definition of biology and your new body and your new sex life, you would not need my affirmation for approval. The ideology that has a suicide rate of 45% because people that lean into mental instability experience further mental instability and disconnect from reality is not something that should be coddled or accepted as normal. It's something that needs help, that needs medical attention. Again, not to lean further into it. You don't tell a schizophrenic. You can also hear the toaster talking. 
it requires drawing an individual out of that mess and being happy with the body that they have and addressing any kind of chemical imbalance. Now, look, if you're a grown adult and you really want to cut your breasts or your penis off, you want to cut the skin off of your forearm in order to make a fake penis, you want to nuke your endocrine system and quadruple your chance for cancer. Okay, that's your grown adult decision. Kids, absolutely not. The Indianapolis Star and other local media blog hacks can claim that this is gender affirming care, but they are lying to you. Biology has not changed. And if you don't like it, you you think that's mean? You think that's unfriendly? Yeah, that's too bad. I I don't care. And given the individuals that I've seen protesting in favor of uh, pro trans kids or whatever at the state house, they don't exactly look like individuals that I would be getting life advice from. Uh, The point of biology, by the way, matters because if you are going to look at an individual and want what is best for them and to encourage healthy growth options, then you need to focus on the things that actually make a person mentally better. Again, if suddenly becoming transgender fixed everything, you would not see these individuals running around constantly saying that they were extremely anxious and depressed and that they desperately needed you to affirm their gender in order to be happy. I don't need anyone to affirm me being a straight man. Nobody needs to affirm that. I am a straight man, whether you say so or not. Um, And I'm afraid to tell you that nothing that you have to say really does anything to change that. If you need the affirmation, I'm sorry, but I'm just not going to look to you to change time and space, policies and laws in order to make you feel better about a poor decision that you made. So biology hasn't changed, rest assured. Get the Tony Kinnett cast live weeknights at 7 on 93 WIBC. Thanks for listening. Get caught back up again tomorrow with the 93 WIBC mashup.